Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. Hey guys, so Jay Harrington is my guest today. Jay went from a big law bankruptcy practice to a portfolio career that spans from marketing and PR to training and coaching to writing books. Jay highlights two things that I think are particularly important in this episode. First is this idea that you can design your life. I know I've talked about this before, but I will harp on it. It is the idea that you can pick the work that you do to support the life you want to live rather than live the lifestyle demanded by a certain job. This isn't just pie in the sky. It is really possible and makes all of the difference. And secondly, Jay talks about, and I love how he says this, making yourself your own best client um, because you tend to prioritize so many things above you, but you are your most important client. And, And that means committing the time to pursuing your priorities and whatever those priorities may be. Um, and committing that time is really the important thing. And I know time feels like a limited resource and in many ways it is, but if you don't do that, you're just stuck in the reactive mode and it's going to make it very difficult to move forward in a meaningful way. So one thing I've heard, which I, I like is this idea of, um, being devoted to something rather than disciplined. So you have to find the time to do the work of figuring out what else you want to do. Um, and it's hard, but be devoted to finding that time. Um, so if that means you have to get up early, then you're devoted to it. It can also mean creating better boundaries with other people to, to save that time for yourself. So just be devoted to the process, which means devoted to creating this time for yourself. And before we jump into the episode, I wanted to let you guys know that I created a quiz called the Lawyer's Escape Plan Quiz. And it's quick, it's seven questions, it's meant to be a little fun, um, but it'll give you sort of your lawyer archetype and some pointers on easy first steps uh, when thinking about leaving the law. So check it out. I'll link it in the show notes. And yeah, hope you enjoy it. And now on to the episode. Hey, Jay, welcome to the podcast. Megan, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm very happy to connect. So when I talk with people, I sort of always start at the very beginning origin story of what took you to law school in the first place. Yeah, it's a great question. I'm still actually trying to figure that one out. But, uh, <laughs> Aren't we but, all? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I am. I am one of the uh, you know among the many who who kind of got a, a degree in undergrad that they weren't didn't realize maybe didn't pay what they thought it might that the you know there wasn't really a job market. I was a journalism major, and 
um, you know, just decided at some point that I was so far in that I just needed to keep going. And then law school became an option from that. Uh, but but there is another. My my dad was in law enforcement. He was an FBI agent, and mm-hmm. you know that was something I always somewhat aspired to. But then you know, I so I I thought you know law school might be an option to pursue that. You know, I ultimately didn't go that route uh, for yeah. various reasons. But that you know, all kidding aside, on the stumbled into law school point, that's probably what got me thought uh, thinking about law school in the first place. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's probably the origin story there. Yeah. So what was your experience in law school? Did you like it? Did you hate it? Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I I basically, um, I had a little bit of a different law school experience. I went to the University of Michigan, but I my wife was, uh, she was my fiance at the time. She was working in Metro Detroit, uh, which is where I grew up. And so we sort of, I didn't live on campus uh, in Ann Arbor. I kind of commuted. So I didn't have the yeah. typical on-campus law school experience. I guess I had enough right. of of that in undergrad. Um, yeah. but, uh, but it was good. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I liked, I liked the subject matter, um, liked my classmates. I didn't integrate for probably for the reason I wasn't living there the same way that, you know, many people do during law school. Um, but I, I kind of use it as an opportunity to say, all right, I'm going to really buckle down and, and try to do really well my first year, um, which turned out to be something I did. Um, and then, to an extent, I was able to coast a little bit, you know, the, the next couple of years, um, yeah. kind of pursue some <laughs> other things, take classes I was interested in. Um, I happened, I was lucky in the sense that I was, my first year of law school started in 1998. So when I was interviewing for like summer associate gigs, it was the fall of 1999. So tech boom, you know, right. stock market boom, the, the legal job market was, you know, fantastic. I mean, you basically had a, your pick of jobs, which was, which was nice. Um, but you know, so th- that it was not the most stressful experience ever, probably because everyone was getting jobs those days. Um, right. And uh, <laughs> what, what a different world it is now. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's a much different experience. I mean, I talked yeah. to, I talked to people now and I, I just, you know, frankly, those of us that came out during that time period were just flat lucky. Um, yeah. And so it did make for a somewhat less stressful law school experience because you know at at michigan you know everyone was getting jobs it just was a good market you could pick your city you could pick your firm for the most part and that is rare um but it was it it made law school experience more enjoyable less stressful yeah so did you kind of just know like all right i want to go the big law route from the beginning or was it just kind of like seems like (laughs) what you do here yeah well you know throwing money at me so i guess i'll go for it (laughs) right right well that that's part of it um yeah and and patterns repeat themselves like i think you know we all sort of repeat the same mistakes and and same thing there i didn't have i still even during law school and i think people shared this experience as well didn't really have still a good sense of what it was like to practice law so when it came down to it my my decision-making criteria if you kind of create a venn diagram it was you know city i i kind of wanted to be in chicago which is where i ultimately ended up. Um, mm-hmm. And then money. I mean, it, right. to be frank, that's what it came down to. I didn't know what type of law I wanted to practice. I didn't know what type of firm. I didn't really know what all the options were. Um, I was just sort of interviewing with firms as they came on campus and doing that whole thing. And, right. you know, I took a job. I ultimately went to um, Skadden Arps Chicago office. And, mm-hmm. and that was, you know, I just kind of just kind of decided based on the interview process and, you know, the, the 
the summer program and what I just, the people that I met there and I uh, figured it out as I went from there, but it wasn't, it wasn't particularly thoughtful. I just seemed to be the way everyone else was headed. And I just yeah. kind of joined along with the pack. Yeah. So what was your experience? I mean, Skadden is like big law, big law, right? So yeah, how was it, your experience that? Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, and I, it was a positive experience on balance. I mean, it was tough. It was the typical big law experience. Um, but yeah. and, and it was unique in the sense that um, I, you know, talking about different periods of time, sort of seminal moments in, in, in what in one's career, where at the end of my the summer, you know, where you're studying for the bar exam, and I did a fellowship uh, with a with a public interest group that summer as well, which was a nice benefit that Scadden offered. They would they mm-hmm. would kind of pay you, uh, you know, a portion of they would pay you a bonus essentially if you did like a public interest fellowship during that summer when you're studying for the bar. But I I was scheduled to start my career on September seventeenth, two thousand one. So 9-11 happened, you know, six right. days before my start date. Oh, wow. I was supposed to be an M&A lawyer. And, you know, you get the call maybe, I think it was a thurs- the Thursday before I was set to start. And they said, sorry, but you're now a corporate restructuring lawyer. Um, so I was basically put into the bankruptcy group. They call it the corporate rest- restructuring right. group. And hadn't, you know, hadn't ever picked up the bankruptcy code, didn't take a bankruptcy class. You know, not right. not to say that you're going to learn how to practice law in law school anyway, but this right. was just a totally this foreign, wasn't even on your radar. It, probably. No, no, not yeah. at all on my radar. So, so that um, the beginning of my career was very challenging because you know, to take yourself back to that time period, no one knew what was going to happen. There was a lot right. of restructuring work. Scadden's restructuring practice is very busy. And I mean, I went right into the fire of, you know, and there were other first years and I mean, everyone in the yeah. group was working that way, but I was definitely overwhelmed. It was a tough stretch, probably three months of just complete overwhelm to start my career. Um, and, you know, then it kind of evened out and got my feet underneath me. And from there on out, you know, there were rough stretches, you know, you're working hard and all that, but I really enjoyed the people I worked with, um, had a lot of interesting work and, and because we were so busy, tons of opportunities to take on, um, you know, lots of responsibility and client, you know, client interaction and courtroom and, you know, courtroom opportunity in the bankruptcy court setting. And yeah, uh, yeah, it was a good, it was a good experience. It was, it was, it was unlike, you know, I know some of my contemporaries who would somewhat get siloed into, you know, for a couple of years are doing the same sort of thing and they're not getting any sort of broad experience. It's one of the yeah. nice, nice things about the corporate restructuring practices. There's a transactional component to it. There's a litigation component to it. There's just a lot of moving pieces within a bankruptcy, a chapter mm-hmm. 11 corporate bankruptcy. And you yeah. can, you can really get a lot of experience within one of those cases. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like you kind of liked it. I did. I mean, you know, it, I mean, which is more than like some most of us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I did. I mean, but where you ended up, it's sort of you seem like you like that that experience more than most people I talk to. Yeah, I, I mean, I did. There were, you know, I think everything. You know, the way I look at it, I mean, I think this is true in all aspects of life. Where you know, it's not things that make you, you know, things you look back fondly on weren't always, you know, easy, comfortable experiences. I mean, I think what I appreciate about it is I felt like I grew quite a bit. I mean, I feel like Mm -hmm. I, I, you know, took on a lot. I got through a 
tough period. I, I was able to exhibit a lot of resilience during that period. So I look back at it with a sort of a sense of satisfaction, sort of like you mm-hmm. ran, ran the gauntlet. I mean, to say yeah. I was like loving every minute of it is, is yeah. to say way too much. But I always think say it's like it's like we were all in a frat and we were getting hazed together and it's like somehow right. it's sort of like makes <laughs> yes. bonds you or you feel accomplished by it somehow. <laughs> totally, totally. I mean, I think that that's yeah. you know, you look you look back at things that that you know, you feel like we're hard and you've persevered and and you have, yeah. you know, a good outlook on that. Um so so yeah, I mean, I'd say overall positive experience. And and also, I think part of what helped is that there's a certain dividend from that experience. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not one that advocates everyone goes to like a name brand law firm, but there, there has there have been doors that have been open connections that I've maintained. It's been a valuable experience in the last you yeah. know, f- 15 years since I left the firm um, and has has provided opportunities. And so that probably helps to to color my experience a little more positively. Yeah. So given that that was your experience, what was your process of deciding to get out of practice? Yeah, so I actually, um, there's a there was another step. I When I left SCAD, and I actually, that's when I moved back to Detroit, uh, and I started working at Foley and Lardner, they had opened a Detroit office shortly before that, and mm-hmm. they, had a, they had a fairly active restructuring practice as well. So I actually, when I ended up leaving the practice of law, it was, it was from Foley, and again, Great people. Uh, some of my best friends uh, to this day, you know, I worked with there. Yeah. Um, there's another chapter to this story that we'll get probably get to in a moment, but um, about that. But it, that was a great experience. I just got to the point where I felt like I wanted to do something more entrepreneurial. And I guess mm-hmm. looking back, you know, what I realize now in the work that I do, I could have been much more entrepreneurial in that environment in a big yeah. firm environment. I mean, they provide you with all the resources you need to, to be an entrepreneurial lawyer, except maybe for the billable hour, uh, you know, minimum requirements. Right, um, right. And, and, uh, but I, I just was ready for something different. And at the same time, um, we, my wife and I, at the time, she had started a small business of her own. She was a graphic designer by trade and kind of started what was the early stages of what became a marketing agency. Um, so, so that was something I was interested in. Uh, in kind of joining with her to do that. And we didn't have kids at the time. So, you know, I, I guess I'm, I label myself as someone who is fairly comfortable taking risks and okay. had saved up a bit of a financial cushion at that point. So it didn't seem like a big risk to me. And I figured, you know what, if, if this goes horribly wrong, I can always go back to what I was doing before. But now is probably the time to do this. You know, again, like before we started having a family, before I, I start to get more risk averse, and it also provided me with an outlet that I was hoping to do more of, which was writing. So with her graphic design sort of practice and what I wanted to do more of, which was writing, we had kind of the, the skill set to put together, you know, the very early stages of a, of, a, of a marketing service offering for people. So that's yeah. kind of the business that we ended up starting. Wow. So with, you know... Did you have any hesitation about leaving practice in the sense of, I mean, it sounds like you kind of knew it wasn't available to you to go back to, um, but did you feel like you're like, well, I did all this time and became this lawyer. Was that hard for you or was it just kind of not that difficult because you felt like you could always go back? Yeah, it was it was hard. I mean, it was hard in a sense. I mean, I definitely, you know, I suffered from the, probably the sunk cost fallacy, you know, thinking mm-hmm. that I had already, you know, invested a ton in this career. I, you know, I feel like I had, 
done fairly well. Um, you know, I don't, who knows, no one ever knows whether they're on the partnership track or not, but, you know, I, I've generally been doing a good job. I just wasn't particularly, you know, I guess I didn't light up every day. I wanted right, to have an right. experience where I was really excited about what I was doing. And, and that wasn't at that stage of my career, it wasn't that. Um, but that, that, it's all to say that that's not to say that I didn't have some problems or some challenges in leaving. Um, certainly the, you know, you, there's a certain prestige associated with being a practicing lawyer, not something yeah. that, you know, you necessarily get as a, whatever I was calling myself then a copywriter, a freelance writer. Um, right. A lot of people definitely in my social circles definitely thought I was crazy as well as my family. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, you get done with a, you know, three years of grueling law school and you put in maybe six or seven hard years of the practice of law and then you leave to, to do right. something that, you know, people don't even think it's a, a thing, you know, it's like, that's yeah, not a, that's I think not a that's job. one of the biggest things is like, we live in this world where like, all, that the the thing you didn't think was a thing is like 90% of what other people do yet in the law, you're like, they're like two things, you're either a lawyer or a doctor or like an accountant or something. And right. there are all these people doing different things that. Yeah, you know. Totally. Right. There's no, I mean, it's so many different things. And I think even now, like, you know, not to fast forward too much, but yeah. um, I have, mul- I wear multiple hats. You know what I mean? I have several jobs now. Yeah. Um, I don't just have one. And I, I like that. I mean, it's probably not the best way to do things if you want to, you know, quote, scale your business. But um, that's yeah. I, I, the idea where I could be in a position that's autonomous and, you know, explore and pursue various curiosities and interests I have that was real interesting and, and something I wanted to, to try out at least because I, I kind of knew, you know, I could kind of see forward and think if I don't do this now, there's a good chance I'll never do it. So that was really what drove me to, to make the leap at that point. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I think I, I had somewhat of the same experience of, of like, okay, before I like fully have these golden handcuffs, let's just <laughs> yep. explore other options. Um, yeah, it's but- a real thing. So you and your wife started this business together. That was the next step? We did, yeah. So that was around uh, or beginning of 2007, I think. And so, yeah, we we started a marketing agency, uh, for lack of a better term. And at the time, we just kind of, you know, like most small businesses of that type, we sort of took on whatever work came our way, did a lot of you know friends and family type stuff. And, and we were getting by just fine. And then we started to, you know, land a few clients, I think based primarily on, you know, the connections I had in the legal community with some law firms. Doing yeah, I was going to ask, like, what kind of marketing work. was it? Yeah. So at the time, you know, if that was the early days of, you know, yeah. kind of website design and development, yeah. um, you know, relatively early stage of that. Um, just, and then a lot of traditional, you know, marketing collateral, bro- you know, every firm right. had 20 brochures in those days because they'd have one for every practice right, group. Right. There's just a lot of print collateral that w- needed to be done. Yeah. You know, I was focused a little bit more on strategy and writing, um, kind right. of more traditional PR work. So it was a mix of things. And we had a mix of clients. We ultimately yeah. started doing more work for law firms specifically. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, since then, our, our agency has shifted quite a bit. But that was, that was really where we got started with yeah. kind of the full range of, of scope of services, hired a few employees. And, and yeah, that's where we got, that's where we began. So what made you feel like, okay, I can be a marketer. Like, I think a lot of lawyers have this thing that they're like, well, I, I'm a, I learned how to be a lawyer. I don't 
I don't know how to be X, Y, or Z. So what made you sort of have the confidence that you could learn how to do it sort of right off the bat? Yeah, well, it's, it's a good question. I Because I, I do remember like day two after leaving the practice of law, we had an opportunity to pitch what turned into a big client for us and meeting in a conference room with you know the principals of this. Um, it was like a, a employee benefits consulting uh, firm. And you know, I went in there, had just left the job and, and, you know, just, just was like, all right, we can do this, you know, going on about how, um, you know, skilled we are at what we do and that kind of thing. I, I guess I, I don't suffer from a lot of imposter syndrome because <laughs> yeah. I just, I just figured, you know what, I, it's a lot of the same principles. I, I kind of understand, you know, I've been, I've been, and I should say I was studying up on this as much as I could before, before yeah. leaving, trying to get myself integrated, speaking the language, understanding, you know, what marketing is all about, but it wasn't a ton of education. I certainly didn't feel like I needed to go back to school for this or something. Um, it's, it's a lot of its instinctual business sense, just yeah. thinking strategically about issues and creatively about issues. And so I felt like, you know, the only way I'm going to learn it is just by doing it. So we jumped right in and, and just yeah. kind of dove into the deep end. I mean, I think that's so true. I think we are, and I am guilty of this as well as like, okay, well, I got to go back to school for that. Cause that's how we accomplished everything we have accomplished up until we leave the law. And this idea that like, you can, you can figure it out. You can learn as you go. And really the best way to learn is to do, I totally agree with. And I think people are very scared at that proposition. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, you know, you, you do, you have to just adjust and adapt and, and you can, you know, you can figure it out. I mean, again, it's throwing yourself into uncomfortable situations is a great way to learn. Uh, and, and, you know, once the nice thing about not practicing law in doing that is, you know, there's far less risk involved, obviously, you know, the practice of law is so um, right. risk averse, because there's actual risk and liability for the mistakes you make. But in other domains, you know, trying things out um, and, and experimenting and, and failing once in a while, it's okay. You know, you don't want to fail miserably and, and, you know, have some negative impact on a client that you're doing work for, but right. the stakes are lower. So it's easier to experiment. Yeah. 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 So, um, so, so how did your sort of career evolve from there? Well, that there was an interesting uh, kind of 180 uh, that happened. So that was 2007. So then 2009, financial crisis. So we keep right. bouncing from these these milestones. <laughs> Highs, lows. Yeah. So you know, think, think about this. So financial crisis. Um, I am in Detroit. It's not just the banks that are failing, but it's also right. the automotive companies. And right. you know, it was a very uncertain time. And so I thought to myself, uh, well, you know, if I'm ever going to practice law again, now would probably be the time because there's this wave of restructuring work coming in Detroit among the auto industry. And right. I don't know what's going to happen with our marketing agency. So maybe as a hedge, I will just start a small, you know, little, I'll just sort of hang a shingle without really hanging a shingle, do some work as a hedge, you know, for, for my former, you know, colleagues and that kind of thing with conflict, mm -hmm. conflicts type work that might be coming out of the bigger firms in Detroit. Well, what, what, that was the origin of the idea. But then, um, I had a couple colleagues who I used to work with when I, they got wind of it. They're like, well, what about us? What if, what if we joined you? And, you know, it, it turned into, um, 
the next three years of just like our hair on fire, busy with a small law firm at that point. So at that point, I was running with my wife, the marketing agency, which was which remained busy. It didn't slow down the way we thought it was. Yeah. And this extremely busy boutique corporate restructuring law firm in Detroit that um, that was going crazy uh, because there was so much much work. I mean, it really was one of those unique periods of time where you didn't need to do any marketing or business development. It was just like, do you guys have capacity? Like, we have a conflict. Can you take this work on? Um, Right. Just whatever, whatever we could keep up with, we we were handling. And and then, um, so like I said, that happened for about three years, and then. I totally burned out and I, we, I bet yeah, that was it. So I, it was, and, and we found out we had one child at the time and then um, we found out my wife was pregnant with twins and we, oh, wow. and it was kind of like, all right, something's got to go here. So that was, that was truly the end of the, the practice of law for me. Um, so that would have been in 2012 and I haven't, uh, haven't gone back since and haven't even thought yeah. about it. Um, but was yeah. there any part of you that thought, oh, I, I should stick with the law, give up marketing? Or was it just clear to you that after three years of doing it, that that was not for you? Yeah, you know, uh, there was a couple criteria that went into that. Uh, there was, yeah. you know, on the one side, I mean, from a financial standpoint, it probably probably would have been more beneficial to stick with the law firm because it just we had grown it to the point where we were we were, you know, r- running a successful firm. Right. Um but they were countervailing, uh, countervailing issues that that caused me to go in the other direction. One of which was my wife uh, wanted to continue to work, um, and this was her baby, the the marketing agency. And you know, I, I wanted to provide. I didn't want to, you know, right. make a decision that was going to force her to not be able to, you know, ha- or have to worry about right. running a marketing agency after right. having had twins, that kind of thing. Um, so that was one big factor. And then probably the more significant factor was at that point, in addition to leaving the law firm, we we transitioned our marketing agency to a virtual business model. So we started working from home and so did our employees, which then set us up to move to where we wanted to ultimately live, which was a small town in northern Michigan that we always vacation in. And we ultimately moved here, um, a town called Traverse City. And mm-hmm. that's what enabled that to happen. Cause I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was still practicing. Cause uh, you know, I had to be in court and our clients were in Southeast Michigan with our marketing right. agency. Our clients are all across the country. We never see them anyway. So it doesn't matter where we're working. So we were sort of on the front end of the work from anywhere. Uh, model. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, I think, yeah, that feels early ish to sort of jump into that, but I think it's such a good example of designing your life. You know, what is the life you want to lead and making decisions based on supporting that vision rather than, oh, there's just more money over in this direction. So I'm just going to do that. <laughs> totally. No, that's right. I mean, you you described it perfectly, Megan, which is, yeah, that the whole idea of, you know, working working to live, not living to work. And really, I, you know, I found over time that it's not, you know, the the, where you live has a big impact on happiness and lifestyle. I mean, what what we were missing was the things, some of the things that we just tried to escape to as much as possible, which was easy access to the outdoors, skiing, you know, being on the lake, like, and, and, and we're like, why don't we, why don't we make that the priority with our life as opposed to, Oh, well, well, you know, we'll make it to where we actually want to be three or four times a year on the weekends and like make those escapes. Why not make it a, 
you know, part of our lifestyle. So that was, that was really the driving force. And so, yeah, we thought, well, you know what, again, managing risks, like, I don't know what, how that's going to impact our business, but I bet it won't, I bet it won't be like a, you know, a knockout punch, even if we lose some clients. And ultimately, I don't think we really lost any as a result of the move. I mean, we always lose clients. That's just the way business is. But right. that the move itself had no impact whatsoever on on any, you know, any of the worst fears we had about what might uh, what might take place. Yeah, yeah. So you're running that, but you've, as you sort of alluded to, you've you're you're sort of a a portfolio career, for lack of a better word. So what yeah. other things started? sort of evolving in, in your work? Sure. So I basically, uh, we, we ultimately started really narrowing in on serving the legal industry and it, we expanded beyond just sort of the traditional uh, marketing services that, that we used to provide. So uh, our business sort of has two pillars or silos to it. There is still the marketing component, even though that has morphed more into what we call thought leadership marketing. So it's more content oriented oriented versus design. And there's uh-huh. a PR component to that too. So so we're serving law firms in that capacity. Um, on the other side, where I spend a lot of my time, um, I do a lot of business development coaching, working one-on-one with my clients to help them build practices. And then I also do a lot of training work for law firms. So I'll come in and do you know a, a training, either session or a series of sessions on mostly issues related to to business development, also productivity, um, and with a with an emphasis as well on sort of training related to LinkedIn in particular. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, that those are those are kind of the the two main components outside of the um, you know outside of the marketing piece that we're doing is more of the coaching and training. So that's a big part of it. And then on top of that, you know, I also um, with with the business, it's not a huge revenue driver. But it is a huge uh, and significant part of our overall marketing of our businesses. I write books. Um, so I've written uh, four books now. And that oftentimes will lead to things like new coaching engagements. I mean, right. books that, you know, when you're writing for a niche audience, they're all written for lawyers. You're not, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to make a living off your books, but you can make a living off the business that you build through clients who read the books. So that's, that's kind of the mix of, service offerings and things we do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Had you always sort of liked to write? Was that, was writing a book sort of in your brain as a thing you wanted to do in life? Um, Or did it just kind of pop up as like a practical thing in this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, how it came about actually was I, I started, you know, I started doing more writing articles to kind of market our business. So thought leadership articles on issues related to legal marketing and business development. And I started working, I started doing some writing for a site you might be familiar with, Attorney at Work. Um, Mm -hmm. And I started, I wrote a series of articles and the, the, the editors there contacted me and said, you know, we really like this series. Have you ever thought about writing a book? Like, we think this could be kind of the the foundation for building out a book around these topics. And I honestly hadn't really thought about it yet. I guess if I had thought about writing a book, it would have been more like a, a fiction book, because that's yeah. what I grew up just loving fiction. Um, and I always enjoyed writing. I just never, I guess, saw myself as writing a book. It seemed like one of those things that's, you know, just sounded like a uh, you know, an interesting thing to do, but I would never have the time to do it, or I just didn't know how to go about it. So, so I said yes, and I 
I did write the book. And then once I got through the first book, like most things, I thought, oh, this is, you know, I kind of understand the process now. And then I just wanted to do it more frequently. So I, at that point, that was 2016. And I kind of set a goal for myself that I wanted to put out a book, like at least one book every two years moving forward. We'll see. I've, I've, I've wow. been able to do That's that. <laughs> yeah. I've been able to do that so far. Um, and I enjoy it. You know, I, I came to realize that I really enjoy the process itself. Um, and, you know, I kind of always like to have at least an outline of a book ready to go or a, a book actively in, in process because it's just something, it's, it's sort of my morning routine. I get up early, I, I spend an hour working on a book and, and I make, you know, I sort of just chip away at it over time. And before you know it, you got a first draft. Yeah, yeah. But how cool that you have, you're sort of in charge of your time and in charge of what you prioritize. And so if that's something that you do have the goal of, you can carve out the time for it. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Right. You can fit it in. I mean, I, you know, I feel less and less in control of my time now that, you know, with, with my, with my three kids and their busy schedules, but, but that, that morning time, like training myself to get up earlier than I should, uh, or really care to is, is what allows, you know, sometimes those side projects that, you know, they're not revenue generating. You sometimes have trouble like reconciling whether this is worth your time or not. But if that, if you've got that 5am to 6am window and you think, well, this is, this is where I'm going to do that thing. You can right. actually make progress on it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, if it's something that you enjoy, right? Like not everything in life has to be a pure revenue generating activity. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the beauty of it. I, I wouldn't yeah. do it if that was the case. I mean, it, it truly right. is something I enjoy. And so, you know, whether I sell, you know, a hundred books or a thousand books or whatever, like I, the yeah. act of the act of creating the book itself and seeing, a, you know, what's a tiny idea. I mean, every, almost every book I've had, they usually relate to you know, a question I get asked over and over by clients. Um, mm -hmm. That's usually the genesis of, of an idea, um, you know, or it's just this little anecdote. Like I, I wrote a book that um, came out last summer called The Productivity Pivot. Um, it's about this notion that it's for lawyers. It's related to productivity, specifically related to business development. So many clients, you know, coaching clients, that you'll go through the process with them. You'll create a, you know, a marketing plan, a business development plan. And then you get to the point where you're like, all right, now go start executing the plan. And they say, well, I don't possibly have the time to do any of this. Yes. Um, I got, you know, I've got clients to bill. Um, and, and the book, you know, I, it was an effort to, it was, it was an effort to kind of respond to that limiting belief. And it came from an anecdote um, from Charlie Munger, who maybe familiar with Warren Buffett's business partner in Berkshire Hathaway yeah. and also a lawyer and he there's a little anecdote in Warren Buffett's auto or biography authorized biography called the snowball effect where he talks about Charlie Munger's early career as a practicing lawyer and how he realized that if it, he was spending all of his time billing hours for clients and if he was ever going to get ahead in his career he was going to have to have a mindset shift and start treating himself as his own most important client and selling himself, as he put it, his most important hour of the day. So I thought, well, that's yeah. perfect for a book. Like yeah. start, start treating yourself as your own most important client and start selling yourself the first hour of your day to work on things like business development and marketing. So that was yeah. kind of how that comes together. I love that because that, that is no matter what topic you're talking about, that is a lawyer's objection to you. Like, do you want to improve 
your health? Do you want to improve your career? Do you yep. want to yep. have more fun? It's just always, you don't understand there is no time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, we all get that, you know, we've worked in these firms, we get that that's the feeling, but what is, what does that play out to be? If you just accept that to be the truth of your life, that you have no time? Well, okay, well then you're just doomed. Totally. Right. <laughs> make okay. Zero changes and not progress at all. Totally fatalistic, uh, yeah. limiting belief. Exactly. And, and it, I think it's also, if we really, you know, we're honest with ourselves, it's, it's not, it's not necessarily that we don't have the time. It's that, you know, we don't have our priorities straight and we don't necessarily know what to do next. Right. I mean, everyone has an objective. I find that in coaching. It's like, once someone cracks the code on what to do, like, all right, yes. now I know what I want and now I actually know what to do. So I'm not, you know, I could block an hour on my calendar for business development time, but what does that even mean? But if you tell me exactly what I need to do next and it makes sense to me, I'll go do it. And if I'm starting to see results from those actions, I'll do more of it. So it's really, right. it's really a matter of sometimes just not knowing what to do next is the problem. Yeah, absolutely. In so many ways, you know, the people I end up talking to are are not necessarily wanting to develop their their sort of legal business, but they want to maybe leave the law and they don't know where like I, anywhere to start. You know, how yeah. do you even start thinking about that? Right. Um, and that's that's a hurdle. But so I think that's that's very interesting on the on the finding the time to prioritize what what you want to execute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I think I honestly, and, and it relates to a, a book that I, I recently finished. If, if you don't mind me mentioning it, only because it yeah. relates to this concept, which is called, it's called the outlaw writer, uh, how to make the leap from practicing lawyer to freelance writer. Um, and so it's a book for people like me. I kind of wrote it with my own experience in mind where, you know, I think a lot of people go to law school because they enjoy writing and they think that's going to be a big part of the practice of law, which it is to an extent, but maybe not in the same way that they think. Um, And so that's what drove sort of drove me to leave the practice of law. And I, I kind of took my experience and turned it into a how to book, but the more to your point, I think whether, whatever your side hustle is, if we want to call that, like whatever you want to get started on, that might be a springboard, to leaving the practice of law, or at least exploring the types of things that you might do that you might be interested in doing as an alternative to the practice of law, you know, finding that, and I talk, because I, the point is, I talk about this idea of selling yourself an hour of your time each day in the book, because I think it's still, it's, it's very relatable to, like you said, Megan, whatever you want to do, you need to find time to experiment to make progress, to create a consistent practice where you're doing the thing that you want to do to understand and get some actual feedback outside of, you know, just reading books to try to learn about it by osmosis. You need to right. do it. So if you can if you can do that, even an hour a day, it doesn't sound like that much, but you can really make progress if you carve out that sort of time. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, and I think it also just forces you to be purposeful, right? It breaks you out of the, I'm just responding to what's happening during the day. And I'm going to make, take the time to think about what I want to do with that hour. And even just the process of deciding what you're going to do with that hour is helpful. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, it might be, depending on where you're at right now, you you might be spending that hour just strategic planning, really thinking, going through the exercises of like, you know, what do I enjoy doing? What are my skill sets, experience? How do I blend these qualities that I have as an individual 
based on my past experience into fashioning some new career for myself. And that's, you know, that's valuable time that you can spend with a legal pad or your journal and use that as a springboard to start taking action towards that. That's why I think like something like, you know, if someone is, if someone thinks they enjoy writing, you know, that's something you can dip your toe into very easily and start doing it. Even if it's not for clients, like explore whether you actually want to pursue a career as a writer, whether that be as a freelance writer doing, you know, copywriting type work for clients or writing that novel you've always wanted to write um, right. or some or some combination thereof, like figure out, put the puzzle pieces together to make that work. I mean, I, I talk about like in, in my book about how it's not always making, you know, the absolute leap from lawyer to the next thing right away. There's all kinds of permutations and steps and, and, and career, you know, segments of your career that you can fashion together to make that work. Start doing contract legal work, you know, for a few hours a day as a hedge against, you know, the financial yeah. risk to pursue the thing you're doing. There's lots of different ways to explore these things that, that I know you talk about on your show. Um, and it just requires some of that strategic planning at the front end and dedicating a little bit of time to move forward with it. Yeah. I think it's so important to keep talking about it because you know the phenomenon of like you hear something and it just is, it doesn't sink in (laughs) once. You kind of have to hear people talk about this over and over until you actually believe them in a way. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. And, and understand, you know, this is again, this may not, you, you, you might be making a leap, but this is probably not the end, end all be all. I mean, if you, if I think back and when I actually, when I first quote left the practice of law, you know, I went, I've gone through several different permutations. I wear a bunch of different hats. I went back to the practice of law. I left it again. You know, I'm, I'm now coaching when I was only doing consulting before. Uh, so it's just, you just have this portfolio career um, that you just adjust to. And, and again, explore your curiosity and, and you can change like no, no decision is the end all be all. And, and, but, but you'll never, you'll never kind of know what really excites you unless you try a bunch of different things. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. So, well, I feel like I, I normally sort of start to be like, what's the piece of advice that you would give to people thinking about this? And I feel like you just gave like 10 amazing nuggets. <laughs> in a row. But yeah. on top of that, do you have anything that if someone's just kind of like struggling, what sort of one final piece of advice you would give them? Yeah, um, I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of someone right now. I mean, I can I can sort of still really remember that feeling of not quite knowing what to do next. But but I would, you know, I, I would, I would start. I, I'm a big fan of of journaling. For example, I don't know if you've talked about that before, Megan. But I think if you pair yeah. like a journaling exercise where you really dig in and understand what what are the things you kind of do, you know, you would you would do without getting paid in the first place. Like, are those the type of things that you can you can actually fashion a career around, and then figure out ways to kind of beta test that idea. How, what are the, te- what's the testing ground you can create for yourself that allows you to understand, do I in fact like doing that? Like what we don't want to do here is, is, you know, go the, the sort of the prototypical or, or cliche example of the person who likes baking, opens up, up a cupcake right. shop and then hates <laughs> it, right? They didn't realize they had to get up at three in the morning. So how do you yeah. take like baby steps into the thing without maybe making the full commitment um, and, and try lots of different things, like really talk to people who, are doing the thing that you think you want to do 
And, you know, I think most people are are perfectly willing to have those types of conversations. Um, You know, don't make the mistake I did getting into the practice of law for the first time and just being totally blind as to what it actually meant. Um, It's one of the things I, you know, I I, first chapter of my book, um, I, I talk like, for example, about what is what is it really like to be a freelance writer um, who's out there serving clients? What, you know, what does that mean? What does a day look like in the life of a writer? I, I think you should right. understand these things, you know, and they can help you understand whether it's the type of lifestyle, the type of work, you know, the type of compensation, like there's always trade-offs with everything you're doing, but how do you, how do you put yourself in the environment in which you want to potentially be in, in like a low, in a, a low risk scenario. Maybe, you know, you're not, you're not you know, cutting ties right. altogether, but you're, you're kind of immersing yourself in with a, with a little bit of low risk. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This has been a totally enjoyable conversation. I really appreciate you taking I, the time I, to talk with me. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. <laughs> so Jay, where can people find you? Um, all right. Uh, I'll give them a few places. So I, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if people want to connect with me on LinkedIn, um, I, I, def- I post every day there. And, and I'm, like I said, it's an active place where I'm, I'm engaged. I have a podcast myself. If you're interested in checking it out, it's called The Thought Leadership Project. Um, I've written a few books. My most recent one, maybe that might be of most interest to your audience. It's coming out shortly, um, but it should be, I don't know when exactly this will air, Megan, but I, the book will definitely be out in the next 30 days or so. Um, okay. But you can go to... It'll probably be out by the time this airs, I think. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's called uh, The Outlaw Writer. So outlawwriter.com. Um, and there's a backstory behind that name that uh, you'll you'll find out if you read the book. Um, that, those are probably the best places to go, Megan. I'll, I'll leave it there. Um, you can find me, you know, a bunch of different places online, but that's probably the best place to send your audience. All right, great. Well, thanks again, Jay. This was great. Thanks, Megan. Awesome to be here. Thank you.